Do you love birds? So does National Geographic. Now you can get your hands on the most up-to-date and comprehensive book of North American birds with National Geographic's Complete Birds of North America. This extensive reference is completely updated and includes maps, beautiful photographs, and more than 1,000 species. It's a must-have for all birders, and it really is the biggest and best bird book ever with 752 pages. It covers every bird one might see in the continental United States and Canada. Buy it for yourself or a fellow bird lover today. Available wherever books are sold. Hello and welcome to the American Birding Podcast from the American Birding Association. I am Nate Swick and I'm back. Back from a pretty great weekend in western Kansas at the Kansas Lectrex Festival. It's first year as a festival. Sprung up in response to the sad end of a similar festival in Oklahoma. The answer to the question, if we can't find lesser prairie chickens for a festival in Oklahoma, let's move the festival to where we can find lesser prairie chickens. And Kansas still, thankfully, and for now has quite a few lesser prairie chickens. The most lesser prairie chickens had a number of leks that seem to my novice eyes to be fairly healthy. But Nate, you ask, I assume, what is it like to go to a prairie chicken lek? I have never done so. Well, I had never done so either before last week. So let me tell you, you get up really early, like 3.30 a.m. early. You drive to a field that, you know, again, to my novice eyes, looks like a pretty ordinary field you get out it's very windy very cold you walk out in a direction you make a left turn at a pile of cow patties you walk for a little bit more you set up a blind in the dark that is a little more than a hunting tent with room for about four people inside it with scopes and cameras and you wait until the sun begins to rise and slowly the birds begin to congregate on the lek and start doing their thing. And you forget a little bit about the cold and wind there. And then you watch them until they stop. And then you go get breakfast at a diner the next town over. It's actually, you know, aside from the getting up early thing, a pretty pretty enjoyable experience. So I, you know, I guess I sort of got the gist of that. None of that was completely unknown to me. But, but there are some things that I didn't know that I know now. One, you are out pre-dawn in the Starfield in these places is absolutely spectacular. Uh, I used to think that the visible Milky Way was a scam perpetrated by photographers with their long exposure tactics, but no, it, it's a real thing. I would had never seen stars so impressive as those I saw in the middle of that grouse lek. Two, while most of the leks in this part of the state are all lesser prey chickens, the lek we saw had a few lessers, one greater, and a weird hybrid prey chicken that you kind of had to feel a little bit sorry for because it, it didn't know which species to dance with. For instance, when the pure grader came in contact with one of the lessers, they would pretty quickly realize that they were making the wrong noise, and they would just like turn around, like an immediate about face, and head off in the opposite direction to do their thing. But the hybrid would try to like interact with both species, uh, which meant that when, the, when it interacted with the grader, they would get in a big fight. And when they interacted with the lesser, the lesser would just kind of sit tight until it went away. And, and more of the graders kind of make that ooh-loo-woo-boom, and the lessers go like kind of plop, plop, plop. But this hybrid made this weird, like, strangled sound that was clearly not going to attract any females. Anyway, all the books and media say that the species don't overlap, but they do. They do here, and really only here in northwest Kansas. So that is, that is pretty neat. Uh, so this is a really great festival. You get some really superb experiences with the with a great bird 
and a rare bird. And the general birding is, you know, very good too. The big refuges nearby, Quivira National Wildlife Refuge in Cheyenne Bottoms are just full of shorebirds and waterfowl and raptors right now. Uh, we had barn owl, we had snowy plovers all over the place. We had both Hudsonian and marbled godwits in their breeding plumage. A lot of, a lot of really neat stuff. So thanks to Jackie Augustine and the Audubon Society of Kansas for having me out. Thanks to my dad, Greg Swick, and Kendall Lloyd for birding with me, Alex Marine for leading us to the Lex, all the podcast listeners I met. It was so great to talk to you. If you're interested in seeing some photos and videos of the birds that I saw, I will put the link to my eBird trip report in the show notes. It was, it was good, good stuff. On the show this week, as interest in birding has grown in the last couple of years, birders have turned up in some really interesting places, including the streaming platform Twitch. Wade, goes by Dr. WD40, Liz Clayton Fuller, and Ian Davies are birders who have figured out this live streaming thing and are using it to build a community of bird and nature fans in a seemingly unconventional place. They join me to talk about it after this week's Rare Birds. This is your Rare Bird Focus for the first part of April 2022. For the second week in a row, we highlight New York. Last week, it was the state's first zone-tailed hawk. This week, the state's first model duck in Suffolk County. Well, the birding question is unmistakably a model duck, which is nice given that species' tendency to muddle its genetics with those of the widespread mallard. The big question is, which population did it come from? Model duck has two subspecies, one from Florida and one from the western Gulf of Mexico. They are famously among the anis ducks, not that closely related. In fact, mallard is more closely related to American black duck than the two model duck subspecies are to each other. What I'm saying is that there is a fair chance of a split, which would require birders to pay close attention to where their model ducks come from. Now, I'm not sure whether there is a way to do this, but hey, the time might be coming for some birder to, to get on that. And the Stellar Sea Eagle saga continues. The bird was refound on April 1st, no less, back in Canada at Wallace Bay in northern Nova Scotia, to be more precise. So the great North American Stellar Sea Eagle road trip continues. That is all this week. For a full accounting, check out the ABA Rare Bird Alert on Friday at aba.org slash RBA. You can also follow along with all the Rare Bird news as it happens in our ABA Rare Bird Alert group on Facebook. Find any technology and you're likely to find birders using it to spread information, knowledge, and community. That's certainly the case with platforms like Discord and Switch. Streaming services that have long been used by gamers that are now home to a wide variety of topics and interests, including birding. Uh, I'm joined today by a panel of bird streamers who are taking their interest in birds to those places. Uh, Ian Davies, Liz Clayton Fuller, and Wade, Dr. WD40. Uh, welcome to the the three of you. Thank you for, for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Let's start by maybe defining some terms uh, for people who might not be familiar with this. Can you sort of define what we are calling bird streaming? Who wants to take this one? <laughs> Ooh, I can I can start with this one. Yeah. So <laughs> bird streaming is very unique because typically when we're, you know, out looking at birds, you're just with yourself or with a little group of birders. When you're streaming it, you're talking to a big audience and mm -hmm. it's interactive. You can talk to them. They're from all over the world. They all come in with different backgrounds of knowledge. And it just makes a really unique experience, whether you're outdoors or indoors talking about birds. You could bring all these experiences together and interact with a community. 
And it's pretty much like a group learning experience at that point. Mm -hmm. Everyone's bringing their separate knowledge bases and you're just combining it into one. It's really fun. That's how I look at it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's it's sort of a community-based birding experience. It's mm -hmm. very cool. And it it also becomes uh quite global when you're when you're streaming birding. So you're getting people from all over the world who have maybe never seen a cardinal before and it's right. it's the best part of their day so it is very very cool yeah i think as others said it, it's just such a fun way to share the the joy of birds with people just to celebrate birds in kind of a, a different format than than folks will be used to and so for me it's almost like you have a camera and the other side of that is your your birding friends um, yeah. whoever they they may be and uh, being able to bring that to new audiences and new places is just so exciting. Yeah, so, so how do each of you approach it? Um, what does it look like when you're bird streaming, both in terms of what you are doing that is sort of unique to this, um, to this activity and what it looks like for the people on the other end who are there you know, with you on the internet? Uh, it varies a little bit for each of us. Mm -hmm. uh, Ian and I are both outside. So we both look like cyborgs. <laughs> yeah. And so when people see us out in the field, we have like a shoulder camera, we have all of our production gear, microphones, things like that. So if people see us from outside, they're like, oh, what is this? We look like some official person out there doing like National Geographic or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but like, and from the viewer side, they're just seeing a nice little video on the screen. They don't see all the crazy background stuff that might be going on. They just see the output of the production. Mm -hmm. And then so we but we get to interact with them. And I don't know, it's from a viewer st standpoint, it's really nice because say, it's horrible weather, you live mm -hmm. in Canada, it's snowing, you can't go outside. <laughs> it's a rough time. But of year you can Canada, go virtual yeah. birding in Florida, or mm -hmm. Texas or something like that, or just talk about birds and learn more about scientific illustration with Liz. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a great experience just to share birds with everyone. Right. Yeah. Having having watched Wade and Ian's streams, it is very cool. Even just being in Tennessee to be birding in other places, you know, from your own home. It's mm -hmm. awesome. And and from from my point of view, you know, I I'm an art streamer. I stream my scientific illustration and connect with birds in that way. And because of uh, Wade's stream, actually, I was like, wait a minute what if we had a bird cam that was pointing straight out my window at my feeder that brings me so much joy every day? You know, why not share that with my community? So mm -hmm. uh, in my stream, you're watching me do art and I'm talking about the birds that I'm painting and simultaneously getting very joyfully interrupted by whatever bird is visiting <laughs> the feeder <laughs> at that time that we can all get very excited about. We've got a lifer list for the stream specifically. So all the oh, birds nice. that we've seen on stream, which is just really fun and exciting. And we get to yell and cheer every time a new bird <laughs> visits the feeder. So it's a little more stationary on my end, but it also gives me an opportunity to talk with people about how they can interact with birds at their home and talking about feeder etiquette and talking about, mm -hmm. you know, hey, if you think this is cool, <laughs> birds are everywhere. Just right. go out birding, you know. So it's been uh, very cool to share that with people. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by your description of uh, cyborg. Um, <laughs> what exactly does that entail? Um, obviously, to stream, you need a camera. You need mm -hmm. uh, some sort of mobile device. You need a microphone. 
Um, how do you get all that stuff on your person? Backpack. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Ian, you made a belt or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that's really fun about this is like, this is to, to me like a frontier for birds and bird sure. communication. And so not all this is, is figured out. And so, yeah, Doc has, has a backpack, Wade has a backpack um, that has everything in there. But I, I have this deep-seated hatred of backpacks <laughs> because I live a life full of straps, your yeah, binocular oh, no, strap I, and your camera strap and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of the most frustrated I've ever been in my life is when those straps were interacting with a backpack. So yes. I'm like, oh, no backpack. There. Yeah. So I've, <laughs> I've tried to go for a waist belt thing. So I'm trying to bring back the fanny pack as well as having 400 cables attached to it. Right. Um, it's so be... it's, it's a really unique look and I would highly recommend huh. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, are, does it limit where you can bird? I mean, Liz, is she's at home. So she's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, got her hardwired internet connection um but when you're out in the field i think we've all been in sort of a situation where maybe ebird doesn't work maybe uh you're not able to access you know the sort of some of the tools that you might use that are connected to the internet and and whatnot um does it limit where you can go birding to own places where you can get a good signal substantially like there are some good locations around here just don't have good network and now if you find a good spot you can get one cell network to work and output a stream, but you're going to have to spend more money to bond multiple cell networks and pay for mm-hmm. multiple data plans. Like I bond four cell networks into one, and then that outputs the stream. Um, there are, there's different tech coming out that, that can do that bonding. Mm-hmm. Ian's using yeah. some new tech with his. But if you don't bond the networks, it's going to make it a lot more difficult. Because you know when we go birding, it's usually in isolated areas that right. there's no focus on a good cell network there. Um, so you have to bring multiple networks together. And if you go to an area that has no network, there's little you can do then. Yeah, but, you know, I would think that that's, that technology is improving <laughs> ev- every week, every you know, day. <laughs> um, you know, pe- things are being more connected. There are more opportunities to reach for cell networks to reach in places that they hadn't been there before that... We don't necessarily think of that as a positive, but obviously for some stuff that, that you're doing, it's, you know, it, the opportunities are opening up, it, it would seem like. Yeah, and I hope something like Starlink is actually useful in like, you know, two, two years here where you could just like have a, a mobile Starlink in your car and output yeah. it right into the field right beside you and have a mobile hotspot that way. Oh, that'd be cool. And then you could go anywhere, like national parks and things like that and not be yeah. limited by any cell network tower. That's my future dream. Yeah, is yeah. to get have Starlink actually be usable for things like that. Yeah, is much of your audience birders, or are you reaching people who wouldn't necessarily consider themselves part of the birding and nature community more broadly? I feel like for my stream specifically, because I am more of an art based mm-hmm. streamer. I think I'm kind of casting a wide net of For folks sure. who are <laughs> interested in art, uh, possibly a little interested in birds, but really like seeing the art process. And yeah. I get to spend time with them and show them how cool birds indeed are. And I think that I've converted a lot of folks 
into birders on my stream, which I'm very, very stoked oh, about. Cool. You know, I'm having people tell me that I just bought my first pair of binoculars. I just uh -huh, got my first bird nice. feeder. And I'm I'm really into that. And I think that Twitch is a great platform for that because mm -hmm. there is such a diverse array of content being streamed. Yeah. So there are a lot of folks on there who have no idea what birding is aren't really interested in birds and we can be out here in these various categories on Twitch, like me in the art category and mm -hmm. bring some new folks in and kind of bring them into the fold of birding by just existing on this platform, which yeah. I love. I want everybody who has some sort of unique skill. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love to paint birds. Perhaps there's a ceramic artist out there who is mm -hmm. sculpting birds, like get on Twitch and, and engage people about birds. It's it's the best. It's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I think art is so interesting in that way because when you are watching a skilled artist at work, there is really something almost magic about <laughs> taking nothing and turning it into right. something just really extraordinary. <laughs> and um, I would watch people draw almost anything, yeah. honestly. <laughs> and I, I, not just stuff that I'm interested in, like birds. But I think that, yeah, there's such a opportunity there to bring people into the natural history world through natural history illustration, which is this cool little subset of, of art anyway. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and that must be really appealing, I would think. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think so. <laughs> yeah. So do you feel like you are part of like a broader birding nature community? Like do you, you send people who are coming in, who are maybe sort of tempted by this, this art side, which is, uh, you know, somewhat accessible, somewhat that people know about, and then say, oh, you should go check out Ian and Wade's yes, streams because exactly. they are doing this stuff on a different <laughs> in a different way. Totally. I'm like, if y'all think watching birds at my bird feeder is <laughs> right. cool, this is <laughs> gonna blow you your mind. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. I tell people, I'm like, you can literally go birding with Wade and with Ian. Like you yeah. are are walking down trails with them, you are discovering birds with them. It's so cool. So yeah, I feel like we're we're all sort of trying to funnel our audiences into each other and build mm -hmm. this community that cares about birds. And it's honestly a really easy sell because it, they're so yeah. great and birds are so great. <laughs> so yeah. it's um, not hard to be like, hey, go check this out. <laughs> yeah. Back when the pandemic started um, and a lot of bird festivals that were scheduled in that first year, 2020, decided to go virtual. I think the success was mixed. Because it was really hard to turn the festival concept, which is you know very present in a, in the moment in a place, uh, into this sort of online activity. Um, but I do see what you Wade and Ian, what you guys are doing as sort of that that step, that sort of missing piece that those festivals did not have. But we were all sort of scrambling <laughs> for ways to deal with deal with the pandemic. Did the pandemic act as sort of a catalyst for you to turn what has been, you know, a very analog activity into this sort of digital activity? Or was this something you were thinking about well before that? It definitely helped me. I, I actually, what you guys are all like professional bird people. Um, <laughs> I came into this with completely different background, biological mm -hmm. sciences, anatomy and physiology. And then I started my outdoor streaming by going metal detecting. That was, mm -hmm. this was before on the beach. This was before COVID. And then I live on the space coast and eventually got a nice zoom camera to do rocket launch coverage. And I'm like, 
I'm going to start looking at more birds. There's another streamer named uh, Damien Explorers who doesn't stream on Twitch anymore, but they were my inspiration to then start going out, oh, what's around me? And then and it was a great experience because then with chat, I started learning more about all my local birds, wildlife mm -hmm. and things like that. Dragonflies are really cool, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of birds and like dragonflies too. <laughs> COVID definitely made that a lot better in a way because it brought yeah. a lot more people in who felt like they were going out and doing virtual field trips mm -hmm. like going out to these new places exploring these new places i was seeing a lot of these places for the first time so they got my excitement there i was seeing a lot of these birds and trying to identify them for the first time too mm. um so it was like a group learning experience in my case so i wasn't a genius going into it saying <laughs> every you know meeting you know feather cutter and all that stuff <laughs> yet and like but COVID definitely helped, and I know people definitely enjoyed hanging out in a nice little, you know, I mean, come on, birding's pretty relaxing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, like people would put my stream on while they're at work, working from home, mm -hmm. and it was just a great way to feel outdoors. <laughs> yeah, and for me, I, I kind of got into the whole idea of live streaming things Due, due to COVID, it was, mm -hmm. you know, the world, the world changed. And right. um, one day I was like, oh, this is an interesting kind of entertainment and gotten to it just kind of personally as entertainment. And then I was like, this seems like such a great platform for birds. Yeah. Other people must have had this idea. And thankfully, Wade and Liz already had. And so it was really <laughs> cool to be able to go and see their content. And I think back to your question about festivals, um, I think one of the things that's really special about a, a good like live stream is the interactivity yeah. um, that both Liz and Wade have mentioned. I think that's that's why their streams are so so fun. And I'm I'm the baby on on scene here. <laughs> I've just been doing this for a couple few months, um, so I'm just figuring this out. But I think the interactive element, where like others have said, it feels like you're there. Ideally, you're walking mm -hmm. alongside them, you're having a conversation, and you're part of something. I think is one of the real magical um, possibilities of live streaming. I remember when a lot of the festivals tried to go online and they tried to replicate the birding experience with a with a live stream. And I, I, don't, I don't think I think the intent was there. And I think that the but I don't think the tech was there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of specialized tech that sort of goes into this sort of process that makes it feel like birding as opposed to just watching a guy holding their camera, their phone <laughs> up in the air. And like, you're not really seeing any birds. You're just but you know, there's an experiential thing there. That's 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 something. But it's you know, you're birding, you want to, you want to see the birds, you want to experience the birds. And I think that now that the tech is sort of caught up, or at least um, y'all have figured out how to use that tech in a way that is, you know, better suited for replicating that birding experience has been a huge leap forward in what you're trying to do here. And um, it really does feel like birding more, um, <laughs> which is, which is the idea, like there's the interactivity. And yeah, that's wonderful. That's always there, but there's the birds. Like you're seeing the birds, you're experiencing the birds. <laughs> and, you know, that having that is, I mean, that looks like the missing piece. Weirdly enough, the birds were the missing part of online birding. <laughs> totally oh, yeah. I remember <laughs> going back to the start of me going do outdoor birding. I had a, um, one of those little attachments you put on your iPhone that has a little telephoto thing on yeah. it. Yeah. That, that's how I started. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know how to show you switch to a Zoom camera yet. Because my Zoom <laughs> camera doesn't yeah. have a str live stream feature, but my phone had an output. And then I attached the phone to a spotting scope. That was my mm -hmm. next level yeah. of tech. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah. okay, I found an HDMI switcher. Maybe I can change the output going between my shoulder cam and the birding cam. And 
eventually now I have cables and HDMI switchers all over me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's, that's really cool too, is that um, I think as, as Liz and her great content have shown that you don't even necessarily always need live living, breathing birds to have really mm-hmm. cool bird content. And I mean, that, that's one of the things I'm really hoping kind of comes out of today and, and what we're talking about and sharing is uh, more people just interested in creating some some bird streaming content. Um, yeah. Anyone who's listening to this, if you're if you have ideas or questions or are curious about anything, it'd be awesome to have more people out there making fun, engaging bird things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's just so much potential for it. And it's really fun to talk about. I, I totally agree. Um, I, I don't know what it is about the birding community, but we've always sort of I think birders are definitely interested in using technology to spread knowledge, spread information. I think they've grasped onto that very quickly, but there's something like we've always sort of lagged behind. It feels like, <laughs> you know, other communities have really jumped on things like like uh, podcasting, uh, sure. live streaming, things like that. But birding is like, we're, we, I've been doing this podcast for about six, this is our sixth year. And we were, there were not very many of them when we started. Now there are more. And it's great that people are seeing the opportunity and also seeing that they can contribute without being as, as like a keen amateur or a keen hobbyist. You don't necessarily have to be a professional, whatever professional birding or professional bird birding person means. There's a lot of different ways to do that. <laughs> but I, I think anyone who has an interest in birds can, can throw their voice into this, this community and find an audience and find a lot of interesting content makers to, to bounce things off of and to, to collaborate with. For sure. And I think for us as bird streamers, it would be so exciting to see more people jump on Twitch to mm-hmm. build that community that. and send folks to those different places. I was just thinking this hadn't even occurred to me before. I've made a couple of study skin specimens oh, for yeah, museums. Cool. And like, what if somebody was streaming that? That would be yeah. so cool, you know? So there's all these different opportunities and and we want to share this community and it's it's been so cool to get so many people who hadn't maybe been interested in birding a few years ago someone was like how do you get young people into birding and i think maybe now the answer is twitch you know it feels like that could be <laughs> that yeah could or, be or it, broadly you know? like That's going where they it. are right, right. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah. meet them where they are where they and are. Yep. a lot of them are on twitch so and it's been cool too, you know, I I love my work and I take my scientific illustration work very seriously, but Twitch has allowed me to make some really goofy art, uh, mm-hmm. you know, bird art to connect with people like, you know, I'm drawing birds in cowboy boots and cowboy hats <laughs> and just like honestly having the time of my life and it's bringing me a lot of joy and my community joy and we're learning about birds. So it can be anything. It's not it's not limited to <laughs> one specific way that you can share birds with folks. Yeah. Yeah. And going for Twitch, Twitch is this great misunderstood untapped resource. A lot of people have never <laughs> heard of Twitch before. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people when you know, seeing Twitch for the first time, it's a bit overwhelming. And then they're like, oh, I don't want to, you know, go to this new social media platform. I don't want to start something new. But don't be scared of Twitch. Um, you will. So people use these things called emotes, which you see <laughs> showing up in chats a lot. So every streamer can have their own emotes that you can use in their chat. And it's like a unique thing about Twitch. There's like this own little Twitch language with these emotes that are used. Um, so, but it's a great 
way to live stream. I know YouTube has live streaming capabilities, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have as good of an interactive community aspect mm -hmm. that we find mm -hmm. on Twitch. That's why I'm so favored to Twitch over other live streaming platforms. It's because of that community interaction. And if you, if, you know, Twitch is known as a gaming platform, and that's why a lot of, you know, people don't know about it. And you talk about connecting to the younger audience. My mm -hmm. focus is how can I connect more to the older audience <laughs> and bring them to Twitch? Because the younger audience is on Twitch. Most of my viewers know nothing about birds. Mm -hmm. I have maybe a handful of people there each stream that are helping me identify things and saying some facts. Everyone else is just there watching and learning and having a good time. So you got to try to make it fun and interactive for those other people to want to stay around too. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the, the balance with Twitch. You're talking to a very diverse group. And, yeah. But my goal is to try to bring more older people to Twitch to show them, look, there's this great resource that you can hang out if you're not out birding yourself. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's funny because I think that we have, the birding community has kind of stuck with this local club monthly meeting mm -hmm. bird slideshow <laughs> thing for a very long time. And oh, there, there's, there's so much inertia sort of uh, set up in that sort of idea. And obviously the pandemic comes and it disrupts everything. Like we can no longer have meetings in person. So a lot of groups went online with Zoom. And um, I think people realized that, hey, why, why weren't we streaming all of our meetings from the beginning? Because it's a way <laughs> to just reach people wherever they are. People that perhaps are not um, able to go to bird club meetings on a weekday night. and and people that have families, people that have jobs, people that have all these different ways that are, you know, potential converts to the birding world, but haven't been able to be reached for whatever reason by our traditional outreach opportunities. Even, even something as simple as live streaming your regular meetings, it feels to me like an opportunity to, to reach a bunch of different people and bring these, these heretofore disparate groups together into this like big force for birding and conservation. I know. It feels like there's a lot of opportunities there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was a oh. question. That was mostly just a stream of content. <laughs> You're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And I think one of the things that is really important um, that, I mean, Liz and Wade were just talking about, I think is is platform and, and mm. how you are streaming. Um, I, I spend more of my life than I, I wish on Zoom. Um, mm -hmm. And I think yeah, it's so functional, well. but it doesn't necessarily put the fun in functional. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that Twitch has that that interactivity that um, talking about whether it's a festival or a bird club meeting or or something like that. Like you could kind of use platforms um, to maximize the potential of bird streaming and of remote kind of engagement. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can run interactive polls in chat and have people. Um, gamble internet points on yeah. the outcome of something <laughs> and all these just like silly things that aren't necessarily silly because they keep it fun and engaging and, yeah. and keep people coming back. And so it's, yeah. it's really fun to explore all the opportunities, like you say, that are provided with this. What can we do with this kind of technology and tech um, for birds and, and birding writ large? It feels like some people may write it off as, as you said, like the gaming platform, there's a frivolity in that. And I, you know, I think that's probably premature. Like you, th this stuff has to be fun. It mm -hmm. can't always be a staid uh, Zoom screen with everyone in their own little box. So, uh, Wade and, and Liz, um, do you feel as though you're part of the broader birding community, like the non the non 
Twitch, but I, Ian, I know you work for eBird, um, so you're <laughs> like as in it as anybody. But um, if you feel as though you come from a little bit the outside, do you feel mm-hmm. now is that you are part of that broader birding community? This is, I think, this podcast is my first time I felt. Oh, really? Super connected. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, <laughs> I felt like you know, like I said, most of my ch- community there were only a few of them. It wasn't until I started um, interacting with Ian, I'm like, oh, I should probably interact with. Um, professional birders here. <laughs> <laughs> There's a resource here. <laughs> yeah. B- try to see how we can bridge this because, you know, most of the time I was just focused on, you know, streaming and hanging out with my my community. Yeah. And I wasn't really thinking about the bigger picture of things and how right. we can link these. So, yeah, I definitely feel on the outside. Now I'm feeling like, oh, maybe they do like what I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you're definitely in the club. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I, yeah. I feel too, you know, on not necessarily the outside, but definitely coming at birding from an art perspective. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm an artist first and, and art brought me to my love of birds. And through scientific illustration, I've collaborated with a ton of ornithologists and I've, mm-hmm. I've learned a ton. But I do always feel, you know, like I'm learning and and growing and and becoming more of a part of the community. But I think honestly, Twitch has sort of helped me feel like I have my my own little birding community, you know, kind mm-hmm. of a budding one that is this very global community of folks from all over the world. And I'm learning about all of these different birds from people that I never would have heard of before. And, you know, folks are sending me <laughs> guides to European birds. So I'm mm-hmm. learning about birds so we can talk about their birds too. So I definitely feel like a part of the birding community, but I think Twitch has made me feel even more so encompassed by that community and that that community can look a lot of different ways, which yeah. I love. Yeah. One of the sort of existential issues with birding has always been, you know, how do we, how do we reach new people? How do we mm-hmm. um, become appealing to community, to groups of folks that we maybe not have, have not traditionally appealed to. And, and I have two minds of it. Um, I do think it's important for us to get out, but I also think people come to birding uh, in lots of different ways at lots of different times in their life from lots of different reasons. And some of it is just being, you know, impatience, like we want to be really big, really quick. Um, <laughs> but some of it is you just got to wait and, and cast a lot of nets, cast a lot of lures, and people are going to get there. And it just seems like Twitch is like this big lure that <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there for to reel something in to absolutely kill that metaphor. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of um, other streamers right now slowly coming out of the woodworks mm-hmm. getting into it too. Yeah. So um, I feel like we're inspiring others to start doing these streams in their location. So eventually mm-hmm. we could get right. all these birders from all over the world doing yeah, streams and then you cool. could pretty much virtually travel anywhere in the world, which would be kind of really cool. Definitely. Absolutely. And another opportunity that has occurred to me recently is I got into Twitch because my brother is a Twitch streamer and he streams games. Mm -hmm. And lately, a lot of folks in my chat have been like, you know, have you thought about playing bird games? You know, there's (laughs) games that prominently feature birds. And I thought, okay, you know, I, I love to game. How cool would it be to, you know, bird in a game? Like there are just, you don't have to to use a bird pun, pigeonhole yourself, you know, like mm-hmm. we can, we can game and bird on Twitch and it's still totally a valid way of bringing people into the birding fold, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I identify the uh, birds that are in the background 
of yes. the games that I play all the time. <laughs> all the time. Um, exactly. The Whippoorwills in Breath of the Wild. Yes. Yeah. Big fan of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Both Whippoorwills and Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, another angle uh, of Twitch is also that I feel like it, it, it enables people to reach birding that might not have been able to do so either by physical disability or some sort of other uh, accessibility issue. Like they can enjoy birding in a way that they might not mm-hmm. be able to uh, in life. It's, it's another way to kind of scratch that itch, I think. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. And so like Twitch has a way to put closed captions on your stream. Oh, nice. So you can yeah. have closed captions too and say people can't you know, get out to these locations either. Um, they come with us virtually. And yeah. sometimes I, even if I know this is a, a black vulture we're looking at, I won't <laughs> say it. I'll be like, what is this? Uh-huh. And then like, we're all like oh, yeah. working together people, and, yeah. and identifying and letting them find their way to identifying the bird. So it's Twitch is great for accessibility. Yeah. The next thing you need is closed captioning for uh, bird mnemonics. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Wade, Ian, and uh, Liz. It was a real pleasure to, to talk to you all. Um, where can people find your stuff? I, I will have a link in the show notes uh, for mm-hmm. all your, your pages and where people can find the work that you're doing. But um, you want to just do a shout out real quick? Sure. Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms, including Twitch at I Paint Burbs. And yes, I said Burbs, B-I-R-B-S. <laughs> and if you're new to Twitch, come in the chat and say hi. Uh, I'm new. Our community is very welcoming and we would love to help you learn this new platform. It'll be great. I am Dr. WD40 on these platforms. We went by Wade here as for. So there's the WD-40, that's my initials, um, and then the DR in front of it. So DRWD-40 on Twitch, um, DRWD40.com. Check me out there. I put photos up there. I do everything from not only birds, we look at just you know just wildlife hikes, looking at everything we come across out there, the foliage and so forth, um, rocket launch coverage, beach metal detecting, just fun outdoor things on the Space Coast is what I focus on. Hope to see you come by and hang out. Yeah, yeah. And you can find me at uh, Avian Davies uh, across all all platforms. Um, and one of the things that love to know if anyone's interested in hearing anything more about what we've talked about today, any getting started with bird streaming, anything like that, would love to uh, have more folks uh, join the fold and see what they can do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, please check these people out. They are uh, they are a delight, as you can tell. And um, yeah, thank you so much. And we'll we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you online. See you there. Yep, thank you Thanks for so having much. us. The American Birding Podcast is brought to you by the American Birding Association. If you enjoy this podcast, you can support it by supporting the ABA with your membership. You get a lot of benefits. You get our great magazines. You get discounts to our partners. You get opportunities to travel with us. Get more information on all that at aba.org slash join. Special shout outs today to Mark McGee and family of Cambridge. Massachusetts, Andy Sean of New York, New York, and Martha Vanoy of McKinney, Texas, all of whom recently joined the ABA and noted the podcast as the reason for doing so. Thank you so much. Welcome to the American Birding Association. Technical production is by John Lowry, who was fascinated to hear about the hybrid prairie chicken and wonders if the identification was confirmed or whether it was just a guesser prairie chicken. Additional help comes from David Hartley and Greg Neese, who were disturbed by the behavior of the pure birds and found them to be oppressor prairie chickens. 
You can find us online at ABA.org and on social media most everywhere as American Birding Association. But on Twitter, we are at ABA. Because the fancy displays of grouses is female sexual selection at work, the hybrid with his weird display and not quite right song will never find a mate because he can never be an impressor prairie chicken. Questions, comments can come to podcast at ABA.org. I'm Nate Swick. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy. Till next week.